The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Welcome once again to a game from the radio, the official Levi Gabacon. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing, of course. We have none other than our very own Ponto Comics, very own Dominic Definition Masterano. Hello. We have from the life of Jenner G, Jenny Selby. Good evening. All right. So on <laughs> this, and our senior correspondent, Charles Haldani, is on assignment, most likely. I will be Charlie today, too. Okay, so uh, standing in our understudy, like our understudy <laughs> for our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino, is Jenny Feldy. That's right. Oh, you, I thought you were going to do a Charlie introduction. Hey, fun seekers. Well, uh, you'll see. Hello, he's gonna fun seekers. In. He's going to chime okay. in when you least expect it. <laughs> okay, this is going to be fun. Um, <laughs> on this week's show, we have a bookworm batson segment, segment, bookworm batson segment, another Jaybird and Lee segment, and our senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino, has an interview with author Cassie Sanchez. Before you do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. It's morphin' time! The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of sci-fi.radio. That's sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. So the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, which we already put radio show of, celebrating over 25 years of comic book stuff and pop culture-ness. For more, for more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. They're having a Big Apple trading card show, which is in January 29th, scheduled for January 29th of 2022. And um, also, we're going to have shout-outs from our Patreons, of which there are. Danny Grill, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dress and Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, The Huracan, Yasmin Array, and Rosa. You want to have your own little uh, shout out? Go to www.camefrayo.com and look up the Buy a Pizza link, and you can just click it and you can get. No, wait, that's, that's a pizza. That's a Patreon. Go to the Patreon, which is on our page as well. They're both there. Yes. And you can get a shout out for a dollar. Uh, since I mentioned, the reason I mentioned the, uh, the pizza was because we've had someone uh, buy us a pizza, and you get to leave a comment when you buy a pizza. So, Jennifer. Not this Jennifer, but Jennifer brought bought us five pizzas, and she what? says, "I prefer coffee with croissants and soda pops with pizza, but your show is inspiring me to aim for new heights of creativity." So right. thank you, Jennifer. So when do we get the actual pizza? It's 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 on its way. <laughs> I'd like to know what Jennifer's doing with her creativity. You know, you get the motivation now. What's going to happen? And what can we take credit for that she's doing? Ooh, I follow up. I want to know. Yeah, I follow up. So then whatever you're doing, Jennifer, it's our fault. Because we're we're responsible for your creativity, you know? We're now a part of your life. Yeah, I suppose we are. Mm -hmm. Mark, all I'm saying is I want you to send me a a pizza now. 
It's on its way. It's it's uh, it's being uh, Uber Eats. It's on its way. Exactly. You literally have no excuse why you cannot send me a pizza. I send you a virtual pizza. I I will. It's on its way. You really don't. You really have no excuse though, because between Uber Eats, you can actually say like, "Where do you want the pizza from?" It's on its way. But we have to do the news. It's on its way. But we have to do the news. We have tons of news. Tons of news. What's the news, Mark? What's the news? We start off with the sad news, as always. So, actress Camille. Saviola died recently from heart failure. Uh, through her career, Camille appeared in such shows and movies as The Purple Rose of Cairo, Ex- Last Exit to Brooklyn, Nightlife, Betsy's Wedding, All I Want for Christmas, The Heights, uh, that's a TV show, Adam's Family Values, Stuart Saves His Family, The West Side Waltz, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, uh, Sunset Park, First Monday, Entourage, Silent But Deadly, To Whom It May Concern, and Staten Island Summer, just name a few. She was a, a young 71 years old. That is young. Very young. Very young. Well, I guess uh, Entourage, huh? Interesting. Yes, she played um, the guy from Unhappily Ever After. She played the mom, his mom. Turtle's Mm. mom. Yes, there you go. Um, Mm. So I don't remember that, but I remember vividly in um, uh, Deep Space Nine. Yes, yes, I do too. When I saw the picture, I was like, oh yeah, that was her. Um, so moving on for some more sad news, which is the last bit of sad news for, for this week. Um, Hong Kong actor, producer, and martial artist Dean Shek also died recently from cancer. If you're a fan of martial arts films, you've seen at least one of Dean's appearances in such films as, <clears throat> here we go, Killer Darts, Twin Blades of Doom, The Singing Killer, the Master with Cracked Fingers, The Fist of Vengeance, The Black Tavern, The Pirate, The Iron Bodyguard, The Delinquent, The Villains, The Golden Lotus, The Protectors, The Young Dragons, The Lady of the Law, A Queen's Ransom, Mantis Fists and Tiger Claw of Shaolin, Spiritual Kung Fu, Snake and Eagle Shadow, Half a Loaf of Kung Fu, My Life's on the Line, Kung Fu on Sale, Dance of Death, Ring of Death. I wonder if it's the same thing. They dance in the Ring of Death. A Family Affair, A Better Tomorrow Part 2, and The Raid. Not that one. Uh, just to name a few. And he has a laundry list of uh, movies and things. Like I said, if you're a fan of Kung Fu films, you've seen him in one of those things. I'm looking at him now, and I'm like, I've, I've definitely seen this guy. Yeah. And ironically, he also was 71 years old. 71. Maybe they died <laughs> in a martial arts fight. And in, in the deadly ring, and the, the they were deadly, doing the deadly dance. They were doing the, the deadly dance in the deadly ring. <laughs> Somebody's gonna die in the, ring, in the ring of death. <laughs> Somebody's gonna die yeah. if you're doing the dance of death in the deadly ring. You would think he'd fight off death. Oh, that's one well, thing he couldn't fight off. This is true. Death. This is true. So moving on to the not as sad news mm. from the that's a lot of nuts department. The new film, Dune, which has already been greenlit for a sequel, has held on to the number one spot in the, Mex- in the domestic box office for a second, that's two weeks in a row, pulling in an additional $15 million. For those keeping track, Shang-Chi is still the highest grossing film of 2021, which is what we're running out, with $222 million, followed by Venom, which kicked off Black Widow at number two with $191 million. Of note, Shang-Chi and Venom are only able to see legally in theaters, while Dune is available to be seen for free on uh, HBO streaming service with a paid subscription. Keep in mind, the numbers do not reflect the revenue made for streaming services. So that's interesting that Dune did well for two weeks in a row, despite mm. being on the streaming service. 
I have yet to see it. I do want to see it. I hear if you are a fan of Dune, it's pretty good, but it, it's still very mixed. Right, because it's a, it's a, it's a slow burn. It's faithful to the books. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's Dune is slow. It, it's just, it's just a very slow. I haven't read the book, but I know it's a slow story. Right. So it, you have to really be in a mindset to go see that type of film. Yeah, there's a I lot. I see illegal movies. You always talk about seeing movies legally and illegal. I've never even thought of that concept. I just want to see all the illegal movies. Like I'm inspired. Well, you can see the movies, the legal movies illegally. <laughs> right. Different things. Right. Different things. Um, I just want to illegal movies. That's it. You have to. You have to know some people. Well, I'll figure it out. I'm so. Moving, moving on. I'm going to Florida. I'll talk <laughs> to you're, so, you're a source. Of, <laughs> all right, cool. So, yeah. uh, moving on from the. All Hallows Eve has become a night of frolic. Oh. Where children wear costumes and run Department. Disney has announced a sequel to the 1993 film Hocus Pocus with Bette Midler, Kathy and Jimmy, and Sarah Jessica Parker, all reprising their roles from mm. the original flick. Um, executives say <clears throat> it's been 29 years since this since someone lit the black flame candle and resurrected the 17th century sisters who were executed for practicing witchcraft, and they are now looking for revenge. Now it's up to three high school students to figure out how to stop the ravenous witches from wreaking a new havoc on Salem before midnight at All Hallows Eve. That sounds like the premise of the last movie. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> sounds well, like it's the exact well, same thing. It. They got resurrected and then they're going to wreak havoc. That's the first just one. Make the movie illegal so all the rebels will watch it. We <laughs> should do illegal hocus pocus. The whole movie is just be illegal activities. The, the movie will be released exclusively through Disney Plus. So the only way you can see it is through Disney Plus or through illegal methods. Um, it's coming out next year, just in time for Halloween. Um, let's see. So speaking of Disney, you keep like saying through illegal methods. <laughs> yes. Well, no, I said legally or illegal methods. If you watch a, mo- a legal movie illegally, that's an illegal method. I just want to note that it came from the radio does not endorse the <laughs> illegal watching. I'm just saying that it is possible. <laughs> the life possible. of energy does. That's right. Lifeofgenergy.com for illegal movies. <laughs> that's, that's what you... <laughs> you know, people are going to be going to that... <laughs> Yeah, well, the website got shut down. I got hacked. So have fun, <laughs> humans. Uh, all right. So they shut me down. So, so actually, speaking of shutting down, this is actually a good segue there, Jim. <laughs> um, from the we are taking no chances department. No in, chances. In China, mm-hmm. this past Halloween, which was uh, just a couple of days ago, today's uh, date of recording is November the 3rd. 2021, Disneyland in China suddenly announced that it no longer was accepting annual visitors and was essentially locked down as Shanghai City healthcare workers and police conducted a mass testing for the coronavirus. This was due to one, 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 let me say it, one person whose illness was discovered in the nearby city of Hangzhou and visited the theme park on Saturday the day before. So tens of thousands of families and visitors wow. were stuck in the theme park as they waited for a negative test result before they were allowed to leave. On Monday, wow. the city announced that all 33 
1,863 people who have been in the park over the weekend have been tested negative, and it'll be tested again, and their health will be monitored. Wow, it's fast. I think they should test them for herpes while they're at it. That Mix it up a little. <laughs> just to, just to, to give it to the monotony. If you test positive, you got to stay there forever. <laughs> <laughs> so will they give you a job? Is that, is that what happens? No, I just got to pay the exorbitant you know what uh rentals what oh. you doing? You, uh, hotel fees the hotel fees I travel a lot i don't know what the things are called <laughs> <laughs> rental fees <laughs> um Dominic, what, are, what are your thoughts on that uh well look they kind of know we all know that just because it's, it's open <laughs> it's just well you, just because it's open you don't have to go but, <laughs> We, the world knows China dropped the ball on this entire thing. And I think now it's like they've swung so far the other way. Like, one case? Nope. Shut it down. <laughs> We're not doing this again. Yeah, wow. I think yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's wild that I, I, I can't imagine that ever happening here in the United States. <sighs> but just, just the imagine of just them closing it down and just holding everybody hostage. 33,000 people being held hostage in Disneyland? That's mind-boggling. We also didn't think that the virus was going to get to the United States. So. That's true, too. That's true, too. I we, did. We I warned a- everyone in January. Nobody listened. Two months later, everyone's panicking. I tried. This, this is also true. I, w- okay. I was there. I do believe the first time I met you was around January of 2020 when you... Oh, did I warn you? No. <laughs> yeah, good job. January, January 23rd, 24th, I put up warnings on Facebook. I was like, listen, people are dropping dead. Uh, job I put warning, up a very, uh, a very extreme warning on Facebook. I think two of them. And yes, but I don't think we were Facebook friends. You were just for the um, just came on the show for the first time. So you should have had yes. the, you should have had the card and given it to him and yeah, in the studio. You know. Yeah, I met you before I did this uh yes, this gig yes. with the Chinese. So, they were very alarmed. Yes. Good job, Jen. Thanks. <laughs> so right. moving on. From the A Union Has Been Formed department, Image Comics, the third biggest comic book publisher, has formed a labor union. For those of you who do not know or care for that matter, a labor union is defined as an organization of group of workers who unite to make decisions about conditions affecting their work. Um, The comic book Workers United says, we... The workers of Image Comics have formed a union. We are represented by the Communication Workers of America. For years, comic book publishers have watched our professional efforts and supports and creators delight readers. Sadly, we have also watched the same labor be taken for granted and at best exploited at worst. Keeping our heads above water was the new normal before the pandemic. And since its onset, we have been expected to take on an even larger workload with fewer resources. Our workforce and the comic book publishing industry as a whole is overtaxed and undervalued, and this is detrimental to not only general staff, but also to creators who are paid to serve the audiences and they turn and work to entertain. Our labor is integral to the comic book industry and requires specialized skills, dedication, and makes quality publishing possible. Um, how about that? I, I feel like a union is not necessary and you should probably just uh, outsource. Well, job. actually, a lot of combo companies do outsource. Oh, I, no, no, of, uh, I was just being facetious. Oh. <laughs> All I can say is, in the words of, of the senior correspondent, I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. Yeah, I was going to say that, but I held back. All right. So 
basically and the, the creators so of one of the biggest that, yeah one of the one of the biggest comic book companies has formed the unit to try and betterment the entire comic book industry and if this goes mm-hmm. well as like it's like they did when they formed image in the first place they might have comic book unions all across all comic book companies um, their, their mission goals, uh, the highlights, these are the highlights of their mission goals, is they want to foster a more competitive industry as a whole through salary and workload transparency for all existing and proposed job titles, improve career mobility for all staff through stricter adherence to the company's stated intent to offer open up positions to qualified existing employees prior to opening them to the public. In other words, hire within instead of getting other people out there and letting the people who actually still work for the company get pushed aside. Uh, The continuation of remote work for any employee who requests it and at the creation of a detailed policy outlining the company's providing reasonable accommodations and supplies for remote employees. This is an interesting one. The pandemic has removed the necessity for the company to pay for a central office space, utilities, etc., with employees in some now cases shouldering 100% of costs that should be shared by the employer. Costs such as internet, power furnishings, and other office supplies, computer hardware, and related maintenance costs to work from their own personal devices. The company must outline an equitable arrangement for sharing a reasonable percentage of these costs. So basically, the comic book company is like, oh, you guys are working from home, which a lot of uh, employees do for comic book companies. Yeah. They're saying, well... We're not paying for offices, but now the people at home are still paying for the internet and whatever, so they should be getting extra money for those services. Yeah. Yeah, um, Jen's like, yeah. We want more money. <laughs> Basically. Want more money, like, big look, man. I'm sl- I think they're kind of overreaching on some of this. Like, is this is this is a union for the office workers of, of image, <laughs> Anybody who this... works for Anybody. the company. So, because... Like, to my to my best knowledge, all the creators, the pencilers, the writers, the not the editors, but the, the pencilers, the writers, the inkers, the colorists, the letterers, they're all freelance. Mm-hmm. As far as I know, I don't think there's anyone like on salary or on <laughs> a regular W-2. But so, if they're now paid as a 1099 employee, they probably have to get more money. Equal to their counterparts <laughs> right. for doing the same job and getting extra money for using uh, stuff that they would normally do if they were going to the office. Right. No, but what I'm saying is like they're all 1099 freelance employees almost all throughout the industry. As far as I know, there's really no one. There's no illustrators and, and creators on Well, there are salaried uh, like, you know, the contracts that they have like Marvel and what have you. They have exclusive mm. contracts. That's true. okay. That's fair. But my point being is overall, overall the freelance, and I'm not saying that they can't unionize to get better, uh, better contracts and better pay. Right. As freelancers, I mean, there is the in Brooklyn. There's the freelancers union. Um, mm-hmm. I'm all for that. What I don't get is like they're all like you're working from home. So when they're like, well, we we've been ha- we've been forced to work to, from home because of the pandemic. In my head, I'm like, you've always worked from home. <laughs> you've never not worked from home. Like, I know so many pros. When you ask them, where do they work? They either work at home or they ha- have been renting or out. Outer space. Or, yeah, outer <laughs> space. But they've been renting out their own studio spaces. Like, if, like, But now they should so, pay them extra for the use of public bathrooms. Office spaces. Yes, public bathrooms. Yeah, but the way that it, <laughs> right? the way that it was worded 
was like, well, now that we have to work from home, but I'm like, guys, you've always worked from home. It's never, mm, you've never not yeah. worked from home or from a private studio that you have been renting and sharing with other illustrators. Like oh. I know Simon Fraser and Dean Haspiel and uh, George O'Connor, they, they were all sharing a space in Brooklyn at one point. Like, mm. and it was their space that they were renting and doing their own like studio as well as working on, on other books. So, and I know they're all independent guys, but you know I know a lot, that's what a lot of people have done. They're either working from the writers work from home. They all work from home. It's constantly from work from home. But this also I now includes the the actual staff people who work for the you know answer the phones and do all stuff for image. So Comics. the staff people I get because they didn't. So like right. that's what where like. So here's but there's more. There's more. <laughs> there's more. Um, another highlight, which I think is the one of the interesting ones, is immediate addition of staff. <laughs> particularly in production and marketing departments, uh, which will go to press with fewer errors, fewer delays, and a more robust marketing presence in reasonable proportion to the actual quantity of the output we generate. So they want more people to promote their books that are being done, which I think is interesting demand or goal that they want to strive for. Because the whole thing, like also with image, was that the people that made the books own the books. Right. So it's not even... It's but, not even like Marvel or DC where they're owning the characters and they're owning the rights and everything like exactly. that. Exactly. It's like, all right, guys, you already own, you know, you already have rights to your book. You own your book. Right. So if you remember, we did the interview with Tom McFarlane. He was like, you know, we can't right. make them produce stuff. It's their stuff. Right. But in this case, like, image was they... already the dream in a certain way for like those who got disenfranchised from DC and Marvel and they had their own ideas of what they wanted to do, i.e. like Todd McFarlane. And, you know, they and they they left. So I'm not saying they don't have the right to unionize and certainly to ask for maybe better, better pay or better page rates or or whatever it is. But it seems like their their demands as a union well, these these are the goals. Or the demands. goals, the goals, demands, whatever you want to call it. It's like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to describe. It's like it's so not what you normally would expect from a union. But wait, there's, there's more. more. <laughs> like, the, but you know, usually these, unions are for fair these are work. these are the two ones that um, that I thought was like really interesting, which is right. uh, the the cusp of the whole thing. Okay. A long-term actionable plan to address the overall lack of diversity in both general staff and management, authors, artists, and readers who bring comics to life has never been homogenized, and the stories we publish can only be improved by staffing our organization in a way that more accurately reflects the demographics of our creators, readership, and a nation as a whole. And two with a renewal commitment to the company values through the addition of a collective voting option to immediately cancel publication of any title whose creators have been found to engage in abuse, sexual assault, racism, xenophobia, homophobia, transphobia, anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, ableism, until such time said creators have engaged in a meaningful, meaningful reparations towards the affected persons. Now that's the big one. And nobody's going to be able to stay. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm out. I, I check like four of those boxes. This is yeah. like you're you're right. out of you're out of the union. You're out of the union, Jen. That's it. This went from being a union <laughs> to basically trying to be a progressive utopia, and mm-hmm. it's it's just it's stupid. 
That's just stupid. It gives them the the creative ability, as you mentioned. To this is the the independent guys to be like, we don't want to publish your book anymore because we don't like what you did. Right. Right. And you know what? It's it's once again it's creating like a kangaroo court, um, where it's you could you could say like Robert Kirkman, I I if I'm working there, I could say like you know I saw Robert Kirkman on the set of The Walking Dead, like physically grope somebody. Yeah. And that's Maybe it. I did not see that. I've never been on The Walking Dead. I've <laughs> never seen that. I'm just saying, like, let's say I let's say I work at Image. I could just say that. Yes. That's and then exactly and like, well, there you go. And it spreads like wildfire. Now Robert Kirkman is out. Maybe he did, maybe, but he's yeah. out. Like, that's a terrible idea. And also some of the best artists are anti-Semitic, or maybe they're rapists. They have a lot of energy. They have to get it out somewhere. And so now <laughs> we're not gonna have some of the greatest artists of our time. I mean, Hitler was one of the greatest of ours of our time, <laughs> I'm sure. And look, you know, I mean, come on. You I just know, want the artists, I just want the audience to know that Jen <laughs> is Jewish. So like Mel <laughs> yes, Brooks, she can Jewish make these jokes. Problem. It's okay. But it, it is, uh, we have uh, two minutes left, but I did want to mention to that point that Jen just made. We, there's been something, uh, as Dominic well knows, that I have been wanting to talk about for years. For years. And actually, I was just thinking about this topic <laughs> the other day myself, like separating the art from the art. I don't know right. why. I was just like, I was meandering, just thinking about like how, like, man, you some really great art. Oh, you know what it was? I, I think I saw something about like uh, Avengers 2, and I thought, oh, Joss Whedon. And then I thought about all the stuff that, came out about joss whedon it's like well does right does that make i mean i don't no longer can enjoy this yes and i no longer like Uh, buffy and avengers because joss whedon turned out to be such a scumbag but it's just one of these things and it's it's a whole it's a whole discussion but i think that this this is where it's going where they're not going to be able to um differentiate between the creator and the creators and and the creations and that image comics being the third biggest publisher to to manage to do this is going to uh, make waves, right. especially if it catches on and the other two companies follow suit. Um, so we have less than a minute to go. So, uh, Dominic, final thought. Unions are meant for the safe, for like, for the safe working conditions and fair pay. These people already have that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jen, final thought? Uh, some of the best artists are absolutely crazy. So, you know, if you want good art, you're going to have to tolerate some nonsense. Go look at a Picasso today. <laughs> so with that, we're going to take our break, and we'll be right back with the game from the radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. This month at Cosmic Comics and Games of Baldwin, get ready for the release of Magic the Gathering Crimson Bow. And this month, Marvel Comics releases a brand new Hope number one and Venom number one. And you can pre-order everything to make sure you get your comics. And don't forget to attend Huracan November 13th to get your free Cosmic Comics. We'll be having a special sale the entire month of December. Stay tuned. Cosmic Comics and Games is open Wednesday from noon to 8, Thursday from 2 to 7, Saturday and Sunday, noon to 5. Thank you and stay safe. Hey kids, it's CJ Ramon of the world famous Ramones and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. This is Michael Bell, the voice of Duke from G.I. Joe, and I am here at Cradlecom and I am with It Came From The Radio. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi everybody, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. 
neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio, the sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and... <laughs> Jaybird and Lee, that's us. That's right, Miss Giggles. <laughs> and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today we're talking about Blades of Glory. Ignore how I just, like, started laughing. You made it through. You made it through that. <laughs> you did it. Good job. Blades of Glory. It took, like, three tries to do an episode, but yeah, it worked. It did work. It's pretty good. You made it through. Um, Blades of Glory with Will Ferrell and, um, oh my gosh, I forgot that guy's name, Napoleon Dynamite. Um, I don't know. He's blonde hair. Well, he's blonde (laughs) hair in this. He's red hair in Napoleon Dynamite, and I just can't remember his name right now. But we'll just go. Scott Pilgrim. No, he's not Scott Pilgrim. (laughs) What are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. Um, uh, John Hader. John Hader, right. So. There you go. So it's basically um, a movie on Netflix that we just watched. Uh, you really liked it, I guess? Yeah, it was good and interesting. What was it about? Uh, basically about like two rival figure skaters that get kicked out of their singles league. And the only way to get back into the, well... Ice skating world. Ice skating world, yeah, is by teaming up. So their enemies are teaming up. And trying to win gold on a pairs team. That's right. So the two men become a pair. A pair. <laughs> That's too funny, right? Good premise. A lot yeah. of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and you were surprised because there was a lot of people. You've never seen this movie before. Yeah, I was so surprised how many people I knew. Like there was Pam from The Office. There was Job from uh, Arrested Development. And then there was Leslie from... Uh, Oh my god, Parks and Recreation. Right, exactly. Like, they're all from TV shows that are sort of reality work. Right, they're kind of reality, um, not reality shows, but they gave that kind of format. Yeah. Yeah, which was actually pretty fun, right? Yeah, it was It was crazy to see them all in the same movie. I was like, wait, he's in that movie and she's in the movie? Then I was like, she's in the movie? <laughs> That's so funny. Like, no, like, when I was, uh, when I found out they were all in the movie, I was just shocked. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's all these people that you know, all these actors. Yeah. It's always fun to see a movie where you have all your favorite actors in it. You Not know? my favorite, well, but... actors you know yeah. that you think are funny, right? I yeah. mean, it's hard to find a good comedy I mean, anyway. I think my favorite out of, like, actors, if I was to put them in a movie, Johnny Depp, jo- Johnny Depp, Johnny <laughs> Depp, Clara Devlin, I don't know how to say her name, uh... Margot Robbie. Oh my god. Yeah. Job. Really? <laughs> I don't know his actual name. Oh, yeah. Uh, Will Matt Arnett. Damon. His name's Will Arnett. Well, okay, so Will Arnett then. Yeah. And Ron Swanson. Matt and Damon. A- and Avril. Avril Lavigne. I mean, no, not Avril Lavigne. What's her name? Uh, April from April? Parks and Recreation. So basically your Parks and Rec people are uh, in there. Yeah. yeah. I, I think her name's Audrey Plaza. And oh, and Dwight. Nick Offerman is the guy who is um, Ron. Ron Swanson. Yes, he's one of your favorites. Yes. And who is the other person? I forgot who I said. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah. I mean, look, it, it was. Uh, these are a lot of funny people. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have comedy in your repertoire of watching movies because usually you're very much on the thriller and drama side of yeah. things. I like thriller, drama, mystery, and comedy. Yeah. So Actions. Eh. You like some action. 
It depends on what. So, what do you think of the action? Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, what do you think of the action in this movie, Blades of Glory, where they were skating all over the place and? Um, it was, that was interesting. The it, it did you? What did you laugh? I got like secondhand embarrassment from a lot of what happened, but. So you thought it was good. It was like cringeworthy it was moments. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't like cringeworthy things. Yeah, so was so you... So just like, no, why did the character do that? So you were embarrassed for the character. Yeah. That's a good sign of a movie when you're embarrassed for the character. That you... happens too much for me. Yeah, it means you're involved, you know? You're involved and it's really good, you know? So, yeah. So um, I'm glad that you like it, you know? Um what else? Will Ferrell did a ton of... He's done a ton of movies. You have to start watching some of his yeah. stuff. And we should watch Napoleon Dynamite. That's one that we should definitely check out. But would you recommend this movie? Yes. Blades of Glory? Yes. If you want secondhand embarrassment, this is the movie for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, thanks but- a lot. <laughs> stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. All right. Bye-bye. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot. Now, back to our show. This is Bookworm Batson on It Came from the Radio. Wallbreakers by Jorge Zavalos. This is an ongoing series. And this comic was, I think, about 23 pages. So it makes it difficult to give details without spoiling the story for you. What I can say is that I loved the imagery. Um written as well as in the artwork. I mean, this uh, comic starts off with a typical New York day. And when I say typical, I mean, I live in New York City and the first few pages are an accurate snapshot of the life in New York. Um, there were the health advisory warnings in the summer about the heat, the, new, the tone of the news. It was one of those things that is very typical for me. Anyone who lives in New York can identify and be like, you know what, this is, this is what I see. This is what I know. You know, a work is immersive. If you find yourself inquiring about something in the story. I mean, there's a part where a reporter is saying something along the lines of 86% of New Yorkers prefer virtual reality over human interaction. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that's true. Sounds about right to me. I mean, I feel like I'm one of the 86%. I mean, this you kind of fell into this kind of everyday New York life. And then once you were pulled into the familiar New York pace, the main character gets a a cloth or a rag from someone on the subway and brings it and brings this rag home. And once he brings it home and hangs it on the wall, things start moving very quickly. I mean, This is where strange looking creatures start breaking through the wall. He ends up running for his life and not in a goofy, fun, Scooby-Doo way, but in a dark, scary science fiction kind of way. This comic ended a bit abruptly for me. Like I said, it was only about 23 pages. Um, 
And when I say it ended a bit abruptly, it's because I wanted more. I had a whole lot of questions. But then I guess Mr. Zavalis did his job. I mean, he draws you into the story, he grabs your interest, and he leaves you wanting more. The age-old battle in comics, art versus story, doesn't apply here. I liked them both. I mean, I... I really enjoyed the story. I thought it was interesting. I thought the artwork was very nice. I thought it was clear. I'd give this comic five page turns because it was so awesome. So let's let's give it its five page turns. It was great. I recommend it. Awesome. If you want your book to be reviewed, send it to Bookworm Batson, care of It Came From The Radio, Post Office Box 134, Rosedale, New York, 11422. Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Charlie Saladino from It Came From The Radio. I'm here and very honored to be with here, uh, here with the uh, top author of Chasing the Darkness, Cassie Sanchez. Cassie, how are you? Hello, Charlie. I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you doing? Ah, a little slice of heaven today, Cassie. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, let's get started because Mark is, you know, getting on my nerves here with the time <laughs> that we have. I have such such a great author here and I have a time limit. So let's let's start going. Uh Chasing the Darkness is is your novel. It it looks great. It looks amazing. Um I don't want to get into origins, but give us um, a little a little rundown of a little history of Cassie. Of Cassie. Well, I have been a stay at home mom for well, now I'm a retired stay at home mom for 22 years. I have a son graduate from college and one's a junior in college. Wow. Um, yeah. So I had the privilege of raising my two boys, which was great. However, once they started driving and moving out, I realized I didn't have much of a purpose anymore. <laughs> so my younger son challenged me to write a book because I was reading so much. So I went to a class, took um, and fell in love with writing and dove into the deep end without floaties, if you will, and just started writing. I have one book that's on the shelf that's a mess. And then Chasing the Darkness um, was my second attempt. And um, I'm just thrilled with how it came out and the adventure that that was writing that. Well, let me ask you something. Yeah, you had to have, like you said, you went to a class, but you had to have all this imagination going on in, in your mind since forever, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I've always been, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Star Wars fan. I'm a Harry Potter dork. I have to say, I just love that stuff. Yeah. Um, always, I, you know, I used to read a lot of Star Wars books, um, always wanted to be a superhero when I was growing up and have a pet tiger actually, but that thankfully that didn't work out. Um, so yeah, I've always just loved 
the fantasy world and you know movies marvel harry potter movies all of that i've just always loved and then having boys actually just kind of justifies that <laughs> going to all those movies and midnight yeah. showings and all that <laughs> yeah well you have a you had an excuse to go to all those shows instead of going by yourself exactly but, uh, all right now let's get to the book uh because i really want to talk about this book um Give me, because I always admire writers, because I, I have so many ideas, and whenever I put them on down on paper, I just go, oh, <laughs> I thought that was good. Um, but uh, so give me some sort of timeline between, um, like, the, the um, some sort of timeline between the inspiration uh, and the last word that you put down on the page, what, how long did that, that take? It took about a little over two years, in all honesty. Um, the way Chasing the Darkness formed was one day my boys were playing Overwatch. I'm sure you're, you guys are familiar with that video game. And there was a character in there that I just found super intriguing. And one afternoon, that creativity bug just smacked me upside the head. And I wrote a scene with this character in a dungeon betrayed by his team. And that is actually part of chapter four in the book. So it actually started originally with that scene. And then as I kept, you know, thinking through the plot and thinking through the characters, um, it just grew from there. Um, it changed many times. I was actually found an old draft where I had my, my main character, whose name is Azrael, the angel of death. Originally, he was called Grim. For like grim reaper um but i didn't that wasn't flowing right for me so i i changed it and found azrael which is way cooler <laughs> yeah I, th I thought it was a a very cool name um how um well you almost answered the second question for me but um how how what was the thought process in creating the demeanor of your character well i uh, wanted to know. I wanted the anti-hero type character. I I just I like that um, arc of the character. I don't like you know superheroes that are perfect. I don't know if anybody actually does. So I really just liked the the idea of taking this character who was who kind of started out a little naughty, and then um, through the book really came to a self actualization. And, you know, trying to be the man that he was actually supposed to truly be. Um, so that was really the inspiration behind Azrael in the book. Now, once once you put all these pieces uh, together in, in your book, how how long did it take you to write this? It took probably from start to finish a little over two years. I have a um, paper on my walls all over the place and I had written on it fall <laughs> I had like with all the characters and the and the different lands and the world and everything um and I found it well I was wrapping it up the other day and it said fall 2019 on there so it definitely from start to finish to querying you know agents and publishers a little over two years now you finish the book you have to be thrilled with that but then you're getting all these great reviews from the book. How does that make you feel? Okay, so honestly, um, the first time the first review came in, 
I, I almost wanted to vomit because <laughs> I saw it and I didn't want to click on it. I was so scared to open the email to the review because I just, as a new author, um, you know, yes, of course, my mother loves it. My son loves it, you know, but yeah. um, to get someone's feedback that didn't know me at all and that was their job, I was super, super nervous. So when hers came in, it was from the um, Midwest Book Review. I was thrilled out of my mind. And then I've gotten a, quite a few other reviews. I just got the Kirkus review in, which was positive. Um, and that was super exciting. So I still kind of am shocked though, every time, like, did you, did you read it? Did you really like it? Like, I would love to ask them questions, <laughs> but then that would <laughs> probably be rude. So, um, but yes, no, did, it's thrilling to complete a book and then it's thrilling to get this kind of positive feedback as did well. You, did you go into a little room and scream like, yeah, or something? <laughs> I actually, yeah, I was kind of doing the happy dance. And then I think I went and got like a blizzard from Dairy Queen because, you know, emotional eater. So I ate some like a, I don't know, turtle blizzard or something. <laughs> now, while you were writing this, did you bounce any ideas off the family or get criticisms uh from the family? Yes, actually my older son, Tyler, is a total Dungeons and Dragons guy. He's my fantasy reader. We would, I actually read all of the Harry Potter books to him when he was in elementary school. So he's my main reader in the house. And I would bounce all kinds of ideas off of him, especially around the magic systems. And like, what do you think right. of this power? And what about this? And how would this work with this magic? And, and he's actually helping me a lot with the second book as well. So, um, he is a huge wealth of knowledge. And then my, my husband and my other son, they were just in my corner cheering me on every step of the way, which was, yeah. was, which was great. That had to be great. Like working with your mom on the science fiction project, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh, I'm amazing. He's actually wanting some of the money if I ever make any off the book because he helped. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I paid for college. So yeah, you don't get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I raised you all your life. That's, you know, priceless. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, so what's next for you? What's down the road? So I'm currently working on the second book. So this will be a trilogy. I have the second book, the first draft done. And so now I'm going through that and fixing some plot holes and, um, well, just fixing a lot. It's, there's still a lot of work to do. I do hope to have it finished by next year because I hate to leave readers waiting too long for the the second book um because it does end a little on a cliffhanger but not a huge one but yeah. it definitely speaks of a second book so that is what i'm currently working on and then also obviously marketing this one which yeah. i what's go ahead i'm sorry oh i said which is is funny because my degree is in marketing and i actually really don't like the marketing part of this <laughs> i'd rather be writing <laughs> yeah well, you did, you, you left all that world to be a stay-at-home mom, huh? Yep. Yeah. So um, the, the created process again, tell us a little about that. Like. Well, for know, me, go ahead. No, no. I'm saying like my amazing thing is like Cassie's sitting down all of a sudden bing, and you said you were watching the Dungeon and Dragon thing. So, but I mean, something had to be going on more than that. Yeah, you know, um, interestingly, my creative process, a lot of it has to do with dialogue. Writing dialogue is very easy for me. So I would come up with 
an argument in my head between two characters, which would then turn into a scene. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just kind of how that worked. Um, I have a playlist that's on probably five, six hours long. That's just all instrumental, but the music um, definitely inspires my creativity. And, and I start thinking through um, even songs with lyrics actually about how would this affect my main character? Is this what he's feeling? Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, and then a, a lot of it is from just other books that I've read, inspiration from books and movies and television shows. I actually was watching um, Deadpool a while ago, and I've seen it many <laughs> times with my boys, which it's, you know, R-rated. So people, parents with young kids, do not let your children see it. Yeah. But I wanted to really watch it for the fight scenes because Deadpool right. has two swords on his back and my character Azrael does too. And I really right. wanted to watch that to get some inspiration on how he moved and and whatnot. So it really comes from all kinds of places, for sure. Your your ultimate goal as a as a writer, what would where do you want to be with that? Uh, well, my ultimate goal is to finish this trilogy and finish it well. Um, I would love to see it made into a movie. That would be fabulous. Um, yep. And then just to keep writing, just to uh, keep lighting that fire. That I mean, really. Once I started writing, I had a reason to get up in the morning. I just was uh, just lacking so much purpose. So just to keep continue doing it, continue finding new ideas and letting that creativity flow into whatever manner it will flow. <laughs> yeah. Do you um, do you find that when you're you're writing and uh, too many ideas are flying into your head, <laughs> it's it's sort of like a writer's block in a way that you have so many ideas, you can't get a uh, a main idea going. Yes, actually that happened to me a couple of weeks ago on All Honesty with the second book. I had so many what if questions and what if this and what if that and what if this and the biggest, and I just hit a block and like head on and I spent probably five hours. I was like, I'm not leaving this desk until I get this plot area figured out. And I never got it figured out and I was super frustrated. So I took a week off. I just didn't even look at it for a week. I wrote some poetry. I wrote my journal. I wrote, you know, just right. stayed away from the second book. And then I realized I really needed to get that third book kind of not necessarily outlined, but really had a path of where it was going before I could right. finish, like before I could really get the second book, which experienced authors already know that when they write a trilogy, they already have the whole one, two, and three kind of mapped out. Um, cause I wasn't sure this was going to be a trilogy at first when I first started writing chasing the darkness. So, um, yeah, so I hit that wall head on. And so I started working on the third book and then I broke through that wall and have figured out what I want to do with the second book. So that was a huge Beautiful. relief in all honesty. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Cassie, we have two minutes left. Okay. I want you to tell everybody how they can buy this amazing book, how they can get it, how um, and your social media, how they could uh, see what you're all about. Excellent. Go yes. Ahead. Okay. So <laughs> to um, learn more about me or the book, I have a website. It's CassieSanchez.com, C-A-S-S-I-E-S-A-N-C-H-E-Z.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Cassie Sanchez author. Um, that's probably, you know, Instagram is where I'm doing a lot of posting. So that's a good place to go. But my website's probably the best place to buy the book. It's again, it's the ebook and I'm having a sale right now for the ebook. It's $2.99. 
um, on Amazon and that will end on the 9th. Oh, I don't know when this is airing, so this might not be relevant. <laughs> um, never mind. It's on Amazon and um, and also Barnes and Noble and any of um, other local bookstores. Hopefully we'll have it in February. Beautiful. Well, I only see good things happening for you, Cassie, because this book looks so amazing. And uh, I can't wait. You said the paperback's coming out in February, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, I'm only wishing good things for you because this, again, Mark, Mark gave me all the info and I said, oh, my God, this looks amazing. I want to interview this lady. So promise us that you will keep up with us if you get, you know, a multi-million dollar contract from a movie thing. When we call, just remember, you know. I will remember you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. Yes, definitely. I'm so glad. It's been an honor to be on this podcast. You guys are my second ever, just FYI. So yeah. I will definitely, um, when I make that million dollars, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely. Cassie. Thank you so much for being with us. You you are an amazing author. Everybody, check her websites out. Buy a book. Go to the ebook thing. Buy that. All that good stuff. Don't make me come over there. Check out <laughs> Cassie Sanchez. Cassie, thank you so much. Thank and you, Charlie. Okay. And uh, we're back to you, Mark. Hey, guys. This is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Hi, this is Cheryl and Fenn, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello, radio listeners. What are you thinking? We want to hear from you. What's working for you? What things would you like to hear more about? Write us your thoughts. Or you can buy us a pizza. Just go to our website, www.itcamefromradio.com, and click on the Buy Us a Pizza link. Leave your comment there. And we'll read them on video. I'm Nathan Booth from Ben and Apple TV, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of the show, tough. go to www.itcamefromradio.com and listen to our archives if you're up in a week or so. Go to such places such as btdradio.com, indievolt.com, sci-fi.radio, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google It Came From The Radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.